Well, how are you guys tonight? Good. It's good to see all of you. How many of you ever had a root canal? I never have, but, you know, I'm just the thought of anybody digging in your mouth is bad, isn't it? But the truth is, the people I've known who've had those, it's painful on the front end, but it's positive a week, two weeks later, isn't it? Our oldest daughter, Julie, just had gallbladder surgery, and for three or four days, she was hurting, and she had fever, she felt terrible, she goes to the hospital, she has surgery, she gets out of the hospital, she feels terrible, she feels bad. A week later, she's great. It was painful, but it was positive. Well, tonight, we're going to talk about something for many of you will be painful, But if you will do what God says, it will be positive. We're in Malachi chapter 3. We've been in Malachi since the end of July, remember? And if we preach through Malachi pretty much verse by verse, what do you run into eventually? A tithing sermon. Isn't that great? We've locked the doors. You cannot get out. If uh, our emergency plan is if if a fire breaks out, we will break windows and you may dive out. Uh, to your safety, but also it is sounds like it's raining, so the rain will come in and put the fire out. Painful, but positive. I, I looked at my notes. The last tithing sermon we had was in January, seven months ago, so that means you're pretty much free till February, okay? So you can come without fear for the next seven months. Malachi chapter 3, and let's talk about something that's real important tonight. Let's begin with this. How are we to give our money to God? Now here, let, let me, I'm just, I'm going to try to be real honest tonight. This is painful if you're not doing it. I mean, it's like a sermon on adultery. That, that doesn't bother me a bit. Now you could talk about gluttony and some things and I'd tune you out. But it isn't painful if this is what you're doing. It's painful if this is not what you're doing. It's a good reminder for all of us. How do we give our money to God? You know, the Bible talks a whole, whole, whole lot about money. You know why? Because where your money is, is where your heart is a lot of times. How do we give? And here's the first thing. We, we start by giving 10%. We start by giving 10%. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Very simple definition. A tithe means 10. It means 10. Now, here's a common thing you hear a lot of times. Tithing is Old Testament law, preacher. It doesn't apply to us. We're under grace now. The Old Testament law doesn't apply to us. You don't understand the law very well if that's your philosophy because the law also says don't steal, don't take God's name in vain, honor the Sabbath, honor your parents, don't commit adultery, don't murder. Those things still apply, don't they? Well, here's an interesting tidbit. The the idea of tithing came in place way before the law ever was. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 20, Abram, at the time, Abram bumps into a guy named Melchizedek after a big battle. And blessed be God most high, he says, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. He didn't say, well, this is before the law, so we shouldn't do this. I'll just give you two or three. He said he gave him a tenth, didn't he? Correct? Did I make that up? No, I did not. I didn't put that in the timeline of the Bible. In Genesis 28 verse 22 Jacob and this is way before the law too Jacob made this vow if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey and he will provide me with food and clothing I must have missed that verse up because it's maybe it's 
22 is what it is. Verse 22. Let me just paraphrase what Genesis 28, 22 says. It says, and Jacob gave a tenth of everything that he had to God. I'm not making that up. I promise. Write that down and, and, and uh, fact check me when you get home. Genesis 28, 22. Now, in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus is confronting some creepy people, some religious people. What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Wouldn't you like Clayton to start a connection group teachers meeting that way? You hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. See what Jesus is saying? He, you guys are mean jerks. Quit being, be, yes, you should be meticulous in your tithing, but be nice too. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. Listen, if Jesus affirms it, that's good enough for me. I had a guy in one of my churches years ago who we were talking about tithing, and he said, well, I think we should tithe. I just don't think God cares about the percentage of it. I thought that's kind of ironic. I mean, we're going to tithe, which is 10%. He goes, oh, if you give 7%, 9%, what does God care? And then I said to him, I guess it's about like our wife's. I wasn't married at that time, but, but his wife, does your wife care if you're 80% faithful? 90% faithful. I think God gave a number there to give us a starting point. A tithe is a starting point. Now, here's something that is also very interesting. The Old Testament Jewish person under the law actually probably had to give two tithes a year. A 10% off a certain uh, part of his income, 10% of his income for one thing and another 10% for another. And every third year, he had to give another 10%. So essentially, an Old Testament Jew under the law was giving about 23% a year of his income to the church. How many of you are glad you're not Old Testament Jews? Very few, but I know your heart. You are. Starts with 10%. That's a great starting point. And if you're young, you're old, it, 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 you start where you are tonight, okay? Now, here's the second thing. You tithe off of your gross income. Now, that, that's an interesting process. What is, the, what is the gross? Simply put, this is an easy way to understand. The gross is that grossly exaggerated number before Uncle Sam dips his paws into it, right? So, if you make... $500 a week, you take home about three seventy, dollars probably, right? After IRS and Social Security and all this and that. And, and what do you tithe off of? I tell you what my wife and I tithe off of. We tithe off that gross. In the Old Testament, they were told to give off their first fruits. If, if they had 100 cows and the, the government took 10 and they had 90 left, they weren't told to give 9. They were told to give 10 to God. I believe with all my heart, and I guess you can split hairs on this, but I think that God is our first person we owe our first debt to, and that we should give God off of our gross, not off of our net. Here's the third thing. Your tithe goes to your church. Pastor, you're being self-serving. No, I'm just trying to preach to you. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse was a, a, an area in the temple where the grain and the sacrifices were kept. It was an area in the house of God. The temple, if you look at the Old Testament or even the New Testament, Jesus' time, the temple was kind of the national house of God. The synagogues, we would say, were kind of the local churches. And I think it's very safe to say that the temple, the equivalent of the temple, is the church. And, you go, and some people say, oh, the temple is so magnificent. Whatever. The church is the body and the bride of Jesus Christ. You don't get more magnificent than that. Amen? So I think to say that the temple and the church would be equivalent, I think that would be very accurate. Should you give your tithe, your, 
your, your, your, un, your gross income to your 10% to your church. I was watching TBN, it's Trinity Broadcasting Network. Any of y'all familiar with it? Have some real good shows. And this was 15 or 20 years ago. And there was a, the, the time the guy who was the leader of it was, was uh, sitting there and they were fundraising. They do that about six hours a day, if you've ever watched those, those shows. And he was sitting, it li- literally, it looked like a throne, and he, he was dressed to the hilt, and I'm, I'm not for, that's fine. I think he had a toupee on. I'd have a toupee if the church would raise my salary. <laughs> and I had another wife because she won't let me wear a toupee. We've had that conversation. And he said this. He said, give your tithes to our ministry. Give your tithes to our ministry. That is just a blatant wrong thing. I received, not from anybody in this church, but a, a while back, uh, a letter to support a, a missionary, uh, a, a young person going doing mission work. And they said, you can give $10 a month, $20 a month, or you can give your tithe to this person and their mission cost. Folks, that's wrong. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get angry or upset with the, the young person. It was the people supporting them. The, the tithes, man, you ought to, we'll see in a moment, support as many things as you can. Your tithe goes to your church. If I die tomorrow, you get a new pastor, your tithe goes to your church. If Cindy and I move and I'm a professor somewhere and we join a church, our tithe is going to our church. Billy Graham, the great Billy Graham, man, if you want to see somebody who modeled what Christianity and leadership's like, Billy Graham did. Billy Graham, I heard him say this on a number of occasions, I would love for you to give to the Billy Graham crusade ministry to help us spread the gospel throughout the world. But here's what he always said. You tithe to your church first, and if you can give money above and beyond that to the Billy Graham Association, you too, you, you should. So, Hey, your tithe, where's your tithe go? I believe it goes to your church. First Baptist Ruston, uh, and listen, tonight, it's really, it's a celebration for me. It's not a bad thing. Our church is doing pretty well with this. You know, in most churches, there's probably 5 or 6% of the people who tithe. 22% of our people tithe. Isn't that great? Not sad, isn't it? But we're way above average, isn't it? It's like we're overweight, but we're not near as overweight as they are, Right? That's, that's how we pride ourselves on things. But I'm, I'm proud of you. Give to a lot, but your tithe belongs to your church. Now, here's a fourth thing that's real important on the tithe principle. The tithe is an undesignated, no strings attached presentation to your church. What, what does it mean designated? Well, we have a building fund right now. We, we're taking up a state missions offering next month. We take up the wonderful Lottie Moon Christmas offering for foreign missions in December. Those are great things. Those are designated monies that you give specifically to causes. Here's what none of you do, but some church members somewhere out there at some place do. They get mad at the church, but they know they ought to give, so they designate it. So they're mad at Wayne, so they designate all their money away from the music. We want it going to the youth. That's where God's working. Or they get mad at Josh, so they designate it all to the music because that's where God's working. How in the world am I honoring God by manipulating my tithe? Amen? Ooh, that strike a chord there. Do you agree? I mean, you can do with your money what you want. I'm going to show you a minute what God's going to do to you if you do. But I don't control that. I don't see what you give. 
But, but the, tithe, the tithe is letting it go. In, in other words, the tithe is, is me giving up control of my money. I'm not against this, but it's amazing. All these billionaires, they give a lot of money to their foundations. That's a little bit creepy. I mean, I'm going to give it to this, and I'm going to still control everything that happens with my money. Giving up the tithe is letting go. What happens if you tithe here? You say, well, I, I love missions. That's great. You know, if you, in 2016, if you tithed here, you didn't give to any special causes. You just tithed. Our church last year gave $406,000, right at 18% of our budget, out to causes outside of Ruston. Is that not wonderful? That is a lot of money. Don't ever say this church doesn't support missions. That's not true. And, and, and the biggest way we do it is through our tithe money. By the way, when you support uh, a minister on this staff, you're supporting Merrick Nunn, who is a missionary to college students right here in Ruston. Does that make sense? So a tithe is an undesignated letting it go to God. Now, here's the fifth thing. We give offerings as we can. We give an offering as we can. Verse 8, it says, you people cheat God. We're going to see that more in a moment. You say, how have we cheated? God says, you've cheated me in your tithes and your offering. Your offering is that above and beyond a tithe as you can. Now, for the Jewish people, not all the offerings were voluntary, but for us, they are. An offering is given to a building fund. It's given to Lottie Moon. It's given to a youth trip. It's given to a, a special cause above and beyond. And, and I would just say this. If you can do that, that is absolutely wonderful. In fact, I think as a Christian, the tithe is your starting point. But, but if you can't give to an offering, and all you can do is start to tithe. If you've got to start to, to this Sunday at 4% with a goal you're going to be at 10 this time next year, start that. But that's how we give to God. Now, let's look at something negative before we get to something positive. If we don't give as we should, it's a serious offense to God. Now, I want to just pause and ask you, because you look a little frigid tonight. Does it matter to you what your life, your obedience, your relationship is doing to God? I think it does. I think you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if it did. But a concern I have is it seems like we put God in our box more and more. We do God on our terms. And we ignore or we tune out what we don't want to hear. So I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says here. One, when we don't give as we should, it shows that we are off base with God. It shows we're off base with God. Now, I would, I would tell you this. If a person's a new Christian or they've never been around this and they haven't heard this, you've heard it now. Your response, close your ears right now. It's too late. So you've heard, you've heard the simple truth. So you and I are responsible. Look in verse 6 through 8 with me. I'm the Lord. I do not change. This is why you're de you descendants of Jacob, now it's interesting, Jacob means cheater or deceiver, isn't that interesting, are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees, you failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? 
Verse 8, should people cheat or rob God? Yet you have cheated me. You ask, what do you mean? When did we cheat you? You have cheated me of your tithes and offerings. Now, that's a little bit uncomfortable there, isn't it? Jesus says, you've gone away from me, which means you've receded, you've departed, you've turned aside. Folks, now, I'm not making this up. This is not my opinion. This is, isn't this what the Bible just said? That we would all agree if someone makes morally horrible choices, that's sin and that's turning away from God. Correct? Would you agree with me? Somebody goes downtown in some city tomorrow and kills a bunch of people. That's horrible. That's wicked. We all agree with that. And I'm not trying to put these on the same social consequences level. But God says when we know how to give and we don't, that that is a moving away from God. That's a turning away from God. How can we selectively choose to obey God and say we are right with God? Let me pause and answer that for you. We cannot. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But when I look at God, whether it's my billfold or my sex life or with my what, whatever it is, and I say, in this area, I'm not going to obey God. I'm going to tune him out. You know what God does? God steps back and he says, that's fine. You go ahead. But my hand, my blessing, my favor, my power is off you. And you're going to eat the fruit that you have sowed and are reaping. In America, the average church person in America gives about 2.6% of their money to the church. That's a heart problem. That's a God problem. Now, we can say that's an opinion. No, it's not. I, I didn't write what's here. When you and I don't give as we should, it's like in any other area. It shows there's a trust or just a flat-out obedience problem with God. Here's the second thing. God says we're robbing him. Isn't that wonderful? Look in verse 8. You cheat God. How have you cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat? You cheated me of your tithes and offerings. The Hebrew word I like better there is the word rob. It uses a lot of translations. Listen to what that means. To cheat or to rob, it's to rob forcibly. It's to, it's to take something from someone by force. It, it's not to sneak up and get it. it. It's the idea that you are taking something that belongs to someone else by force and aggression. Is that not incredible that God says when we know how to give and we don't, we are cheating God. We are cheating God aggressively by our lack of giving. How many of you, that does that bother you? That, that's scary, isn't it? Dr. Franklin Atkinson was a, a professor at East Texas Baptist University for many years, and, and I knew him through that college, but he also had pastored in the New Orleans area in the 50s. And he said that in the churches, and, and there still may be in some of the downtown churches, they used to have poor boxes in a lot of the churches where you would make contributions, you know, you, on the way out in the front of the foyer, wherever, for the, the churches gathered to help feed and take care of people who didn't have any money or resources. And he said one time there was a rash of robberies where someone came in and stole a bunch of those poor boxes, and people were just so appalled that anyone would steal the poor boxes from God. God says here, when, when the plate comes by and you don't give as you should, you're stealing from God. We're not as appalled by that, are we? 
There was a little girl who, at a small church, had taken her offering envelope, and she had written the amount she had in it, and she had taken it, and she had put it in the pastor's office, and she misspelled tithing. It said thieving offering. (laughs) And the pastor said, oh, Lord, if that little girl knew the theology that she just put on that envelope. God says we rob him when we don't give as we should. Some of you may say, well, I don't have the money, or I'm young, or I'm old, I don't have the money. You'll never have the money. You hear me? You'll never have the money until you decide. Well, I'll start doing it when I get older. No, you won't. The best time to start learning to do what's right is right now. You know, to me, tithing is easy compared to thinking right. Tithing's easy because my mom and dad made me do it when I was a little kid my whole life. I was tithing when I was lost. God says when we don't, it's dishonesty, it's stealing. And here's the third thing. We always pay for disobedience. If you, if you take nothing away tonight, take this away. No matter what area of your life it is, my life, when we disobey God, you always pay. Do, do you agree with that? No? Test God in this. <laughs> we want your testimony on video next year. Look in verse 9. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. How many of you want to hear God say, you're under a curse? Whoa! That literally means a spell. It's probably better understood. God's, it's saying that God's going to hem you in where things are not going to go well for you at all. We're not going to read it, but in verse 11, he talks about when God's blessing them, their crops, their fruit, and everything just seems to go well. Things weren't going well for them at this time. God tells us this, that whatever area of your life it may be, and this certainly includes what we're talking about tonight, you want to compartmentalize and say, I love God, I'm just going to do this where I want to. I love God, but I'm, I'm not going to give. I'm, I'm not into that. Or I'll give the way I want to. I know what's right. Okay, that's fine. When we disobey God, we always pay. You disobey God, you always pay. No matter what it is, what area of your life or my life, we, we always do. You go, well, my finances are a mess. Norman and Annie, raise y'all's hands right here. Have we started financial peace right now? We've already got it started. We'll probably do it again in the spring. We have a great financial program that we teach here. It's a national, international program. A lot of times people need help to get their finances in order, to start giving and doing as they should. That's okay. But start making the right progress. Because here's the third thing, and this is the great thing tonight. When we give as we should, great things happen. That's what you want to hear. Correct? How many of you want to hear you're cursed by God? (laughs) We want to hear this, and this is the truth. This is a true story. A little girl was going home from church one Sunday morning, and her parents had given her four quarters to put in her offering envelope and turn in. And they asked her, they said, sweetie, did you turn in, uh, you know, you, you give your offering? I sure did. You gave four quarters. Nope. What? We said, well, the pastor got up and said he loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, and I just thought I'd be a lot more cheerful if I put in one quarter instead of all four. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but listen, here's what happens when we give as we should. Number one, we provide for God's work. Do you believe that the electric company makes a church pay for our electricity? You don't think they just, oh, that first Baptist says, oh, y'all have it for free this month. We fed 
150 people Sunday after church. Awesome. Do you think that local farmers just gathered and gave us hamburger meat? (laughs) No, no. They graciously sold it to us. Look in verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be food enough in my temple. What was happening then is they were neglecting the tithe and, and the priests couldn't support themselves. They were having to leave and go work to support themselves. There wasn't sacrifices that could be made. The temple was in disrepair. All kinds of issues and all kinds of problems. And God says, if you people will just do what you should do, you provide for the work. Listen, I realized as a young Christian, God doesn't want us to raise money here by selling cakes and cookbooks. God wants us to have the money because we as God's children give as we should. That's God's way to raise the money. And when we do, he does. Now, this is a startling and scary thing. Our church is a Southern Baptist church. We cooperate with the Southern Baptist Convention. And Southern Baptist Convention has a thousand things wrong with it. But one thing that's been right with it for years is our cooperative missions program. And it's the greatest mission program in the world. Our church gives 10% of our budget to that every month, every year. In 2008... Southern Baptist churches, listen, these numbers are hard to follow, but they're important. Southern Baptist churches took in $12.1 billion. By 2013, that number had dropped to 11.2. In other words, giving in churches, Southern Baptist churches, which our churches are stronger than a lot, dropped almost a billion dollars. Now, to give you some idea of how that affects the work of God all over the world, in 2008... Southern Baptist churches gave $542 million to the cooperative programs in their state conventions that goes out throughout the world. But because of that drop in local churches giving, that had dropped to $482 million, $60 million by 2013. You see, when the money's not there, the work dries up. But when we do as we should, we allow God's work to thrive. Isn't that wonderful? Kinda? Okay, it is. It really is, I promise you. Let me give you this second thing. Our obedience is a great witness. Look in verse 12. Then all nations will call you blessed. Now he's talking about because of their giving. For your land was such a delight. Listen, when, when God's people give as they should, it's a great reflection on a church. You cause... You cause your church to shine, if this is your church or wherever you go, when enough of you give as you should. You cause the name of Christ to shine. And here's the icing on the cake before the fellowship tonight. God's going to bless you. How many of you want to be blessed? Only you simpletons don't want to be blessed, right? Look in verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you will not have enough room to take it in. Try me, put me to the test. Folks, there's no other place in the Bible God says put me to the test. In fact, every other place in the Bible God says you put me to the test, I will smite you. Do you use a little King James there? Here God says, if you don't think that I can outgive you, big boy or big girl, you don't call girls big, big boy or nice young ladies, you just throw down the gauntlet. 
You throw down the gauntlet. I love what the old preacher said. You shovel it in and God shovels it back. He's just got a lot bigger shovel than you have. Do you trust God enough that he will bless you and take care of you? You, you, you use your head with your money. You save it right. You earn it honestly. You're wise with it and you tithe. To put God to the test. Try God for the next year and see what will happen. Y'all still look cold and frigid. How many of you know who Sam Houston was? Not some guy in Dubok. I mean, a historical figure. Sam Houston was a was an interesting, very interesting character. He was a, a military leader. He was the president of Texas when it was the Republic of Texas. He he led the Texicans against the. Uh, Santa Ana's army and San Jacinto and, and beat them. And Sam Houston became a Christian as an older man. And the story's told when he got baptized, it was, of course, it was in a river. And they took him down in the water. And the preacher said, uh, Sam, you've got your billfold is in your pocket. Here's what he said. When I gave my life to Christ, he got all of me. And that includes my billfold. Baptized me with my billfold and my britches. See, the problem some of us, when we got baptized, we stuck our billfold and our checkbook out of the water. God's got your heart. God's got your money. Are you truly a born-again Christian? That's my great concern, I think even more so in, in the last months. Are you really saved? See, if you're really saved and you know how to give, you're going to want to do it. I believe that. Maybe tonight you need to come and give your life to Christ. We'd love for you to do that. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can do that now. You can do it after church. Yes, we're a church that's going to, we expect you to tithe. I'm not going to check up on that and know that. That's, listen, and you'll reap the benefits of that too. You're a Christian tonight. Many of you are doing great in this area. Keep it up, man, keep it up. Thank you. Some of you tonight, where you're standing or at the altar, you need to do business with God. You need to decide whether you're going to obey God fully or whether you're going to continue at the pace you're on. Let's stand. If God leads you, you come.